Welcome to the Helping Hands podcast with me, Gail Louise Turner. On this podcast, I will be chatting to inspirational people and I will be finding out about their life story, their influences and how they give that extra helping hand every day. If you'd like to follow me, please go to my Facebook, which is Gail Louise Turner or on my Instagram, which is Gail GLT. Each episode of the Helping Hands podcast will be having an accompanying Spotify playlist with my guest musical influences. This can be found under Helping Hands podcast playlist on Spotify. Now it's time to sit back and relax. So welcome to this episode of Helping Hands podcast uh, with me, Gail Louise Turner. My guest today is Kate Cubley, who is a fantastic vocal coach locally in the South Cheshire community. She has so many achievements and award awards. And if you go to her LinkedIn profile, um, Kate Cubley, you can see what she has achieved through the years. I'm absolutely amazed and over over impressed to to tell you what she has actually achieved through the years including um she is a musical director for mcwire she is an advanced vocal call um singing teacher a senior lecturer a tropic ambassador a protatic vocal tutor and is very well read in including studying at the University of Wales Trinity St David, the Cardiff Metropolitan University, the University of Sheffield and it seems that she is into lifelong learning because she she has achieved so many licenses and certificates including advice for leaders during a crisis, diversity and inclusion in marketing, inclusive language for marketeers and even she has volunteered for the Australia Zoo Wildlife Warriors and also obtained a first aid qualification. So hello Kate, welcome to this episode, how are you? (laughs) Hi Gail, thank you so much for inviting me today. Well, well, well done with with your CV there and and all of your achievements. It, it it's amazing what you what you have achieved in such a short period of time, really. And I like <laughs> that's very kind of you. It feels like a, a look back on history, really. <laughs> yes, it's it's so good. So if you do go to 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 Kate's Cubley's uh, LinkedIn, you you can you can view it all there. But so today we are going to look at your story. So you are a vocal coach. So there, there is going to be some musical influences in there. Um, and I will be asking you um, about them just a little bit later. Um, but to but to start off, really, um, so when I was researching you, and, and this is probably really, really typical, and I do want to get onto your story, and I, I will let you start with that. But I saw some information about allergies and health and well-being with, with um, uh, vocal singing and teaching. And this podcast is all about influential people who help themselves and others. So perhaps we could start on on the topic of um, allergies and, and and vocal coaching and your role in that and, and how singing for you um, and, and what you have to do for your health and well-being to, to get the best performance. Oh, wow, that's a really good question, actually, Gail. Um, and it's something you mentioned lifelong learning earlier on. It's actually something that I've just started a PhD uh, on and, uh, to look into in further detail. Um, so singers with allergies, I think there's lots of people with allergies. So whether 
whether they're singing or whether they're just speaking professionally. So, you know, like people, receptionists, working telephones, teachers, call center staff, um, yourself, uh, people doing podcasts and things like that. Professional voice users can be quite severely impacted by allergies um, in so much as um, you can feel quite bunged up or you might get a sore throat. You might have watery eyes that might prevent you from reading what you're trying to say or reading music. Um, and also allergies can make us very sleepy. They cause a lot of fatigue. Um, there's lots of other symptoms as well, but I'm just really talking about hay fever um, in particular with uh, seasonal allergies and pollen and this airborne stuff that you can't actually get away with. Um, you know, things like food allergies, you can avoid the food, so you can avoid the discomfort. But when the, when the allergen is, in the air, it's very, very difficult for us to stay away from it. So my, uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is find a useful way that's not medicine, because I'm not a medic, but a useful way to work with singers in the allergy studio, uh, <laughs> work with singers with allergies in the singing studio to really help them achieve that best performance. Um, so what I did for my master's thesis is I looked a lot at vocal hygiene tips so just reeling off um, a couple of ideas the first thought I had was to bring awareness to the topic um, a lot of people don't recognize necessarily that it's allergies that's causing their vocal discomfort um, so actually just being aware what kind of symptoms are associated with allergies first of all um, and then thinking about the food that we're eating, as I already mentioned, you can avoid foods that irritate or make you feel uncomfortable. And then thinking about your living choices. Um, so don't, I know it's not very great for the environment, but don't hang your washing out to dry when it's, um, when the pollen count's high and um, <laughs> you, you um, because you don't want your pollen to get in the clothes, because it means that every time you unfold a t-shirt or a pair of jeans, that pollen's just going to billow out of your wardrobe as well, which can then cause irritation. I also recommend not having windows open, which isn't great during COVID because genuinely I have had windows open the whole way through actually. Um, and having either or both an air purifier that you can put on to try and suck some of the pollen out of the air inside your home or um, an air humidifier. And air humidifiers are particularly great in the bedroom when you're trying to sleep um, so they can prevent you from getting too dry. So get lots of sleep and um, think about as well when you're when you are singing or whether you're out in the eve evening not shouting I think it's really common for us if, if we're out and about it might be quite noisy in the pub or in a bar and we tend to raise our voices to be heard over the crowd and things like that is basically vocal loading. So we're putting extra strain on our voices at a time when they're vulnerable anyway. So there's a million vocal health considerations that we can think about. Um, obvious ones include hydration, drinking plenty of water, getting plenty of sleep, and sometimes steaming before bed as well. Um, so that was my master's, kind of not really even in a nutshell, it's just a quick overview um, and now what I'm doing is I'm looking at breathing strategies so I'm trying to figure out whether 
the way we breathe can impact um, our health, really, and the way that our body copes with allergies. So um, as a vocal coach and, and, and as a human being, do you do you suffer with allergies? And and um, and, and obviously you've gone through what 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 you do need to, to do to help yourself and others with with allergies. But do you do you notice it becoming a, a more of a serious problem for people around uh, in, in today's day and age? That's a really good question, Gail. Um, I actually started the research because I do have seasonal allergies myself. I'm allergic to tree pollen and tree pollen usually blooms between February and May um, in this country, in the UK. Um, and then it moves into grass pollen. So uh, that's sort of from April through to September. And then it moves into weed pollen um, and weeds are sort of from September through November kind of time. Um, some people are allergic to all three um, different kinds of pollen and others are just um, allergic to one or the other. So you, you will probably be able to tell which pollen you're allergic to depending on the time of year that your allergies kind of flare up. Um, so yeah, I started the research because I have allergies myself. Um, I actually suffered vocal loss. Um, I think it was four consecutive years during those months of um, tree pollen. And I just thought enough is enough. I can't can't continue like this because it affects your income potential if you can't turn up and do the job that you're being paid to do and I think that's probably more more important with, with yourself as a performer you you mm -hmm. don't want anybody to stand in for you and 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 uh, um and as a conductor and a vocal coach I think that is so so important to make sure that you are looking after yourself because because you you do have a very very in, in, important role there so um also with the the, the the breathing and the health and well-being for the singing um, mm -hmm. you talked about um some of the the, the healthier eat um uh, food options and things like that but it's I guess it's all about your body alignment as well and, and how you hold yourself and and what you put in your body and what you're doing with it would, would you be able to to go into that a little bit more detail for me well sure I mean I'm not a nutritionist so I'm, I'm not going to talk about the food um, that that people should eat um, body alignment is really really important for singing um, and a, an awareness of your own body we often hold tensions in the body and sometimes that can impact the way that we sound both in our spoken voice and in, and and in our singing voice um, I do work a lot with body alignment with singers um, but it's a very dynamic process like obviously you don't ever want to watch a singer or a public speaker on stage where they're sort of really rigid and holding themselves with this very um I, I don't know what when you think of the word posture for example um and I'm just maybe give the listeners a moment to think about the idea of posture and the words that the word posture conjures up um I did do a survey about this uh, many years ago with some of my students and they said oh you know standing straight or standing tall or shoulders back and, and these kind of very stiff and regimented ideas of posture. Um, actually, with singing and with public speaking, we want to be dynamic, we want to be able to move our bodies. And the whole point of body alignment in this instance is to be able to efficiently take your breath in and then use that as a support system for the vocal that you're then producing. Um, and you'll see singers on stage, you know, running around and uh, doing knee slides across the stage or jumping up and down and 
musical theater folk dancing whilst they're singing you know the singers that we work with or speakers um need to be kind of multi uh they're, they're multi-disciplined um and they've got to be able to move around the stage and their alignment is going to be affected um as well so it's nice to be able to know ways that we can still sing and still perform even though we're not stood up straight if that makes sense so for me um uh, as an interviewer and a friend to you i would like to actually know why you went into music so why you so what was the decision around actually uh, learning how to sing uh, vocal coaching and going into the education of it because you um, and obviously your, your your phd now you seem to have uh, delved into the creative subjects there so what was the rationale for that oh gosh that's a really good question i've always loved music since i was little I'm sure this is a very typical answer for people working in jobs that they're passionate about um I really enjoy music and singing since I was young um and I never really wanted to do it academically because I didn't want to take the fun out of it so actually for my undergraduate degree I did English language and linguistics I didn't honestly know what I wanted to be uh, what, what do you want to be when you grow up not a clue um I certainly didn't think that I'd end up here but genuinely couldn't be happier um, and actually after my degree I went down to London I sang with a lot of choirs and did some professional work down there um, and then I went backpacking so I decided to pack everything in because really I wasn't living my dream I wasn't doing stuff I was passionate about um, so I went backpacking for a few years and when I came back um, I got in touch with my old singing teacher He's not old, by the way, I just like my past singing teacher, I should say. And I was like, I really want to get back into singing. What shall I do? I've been out of it for three years. My voice isn't like it used to be. I'm a bit older, <laughs> a bit less agile, a bit less supple. What can I do? And he said, go off and do an still course. So off I tootled, I booked on at the Royal Academy and went down and did um, an still course for five days with um speed paul farrington and kirin Locke, who are great vocal practitioners and i learned from them and i felt really inspired and when i originally went there i went as a singer or as a i want to be a singer kind of mentality mentality um and then actually what, what i realized when i was there was i was sitting in a room i'd say probably with a lot of teachers rather than a lot of singers um, and I loved it and you know I chatted to them I felt inspired by them and um, and I kind of thought about it and I went back another I went back a year later to do the same course and to do the level three as well so um, to learn a, a little bit extra and I met some of the same teachers again I met some other teachers too and I, I don't know you know when you get this imposter syndrome and you think oh I couldn't possibly be a singing teacher because who am I to be a singing teacher? I don't have an undergraduate degree in music. I don't have an undergraduate degree in singing. Um, I, you know, I've just got a grade eight certificate and, um, you know, so anyway, I, I remember going for din, dim sum in Marlebone and si sitting around the dinner table and we were talking about the different qualifications that we had. And so I listed what I'd done um, and everybody there said, oh, Kate, you're so qualified to do this. You've got a background in ling language and linguistics which is unbelievably useful for teaching singing. And so I thought, oh gosh, you know what? Maybe I could do this. And it was that meal when, I mean, 
I'd thought about it beforehand, but it was that meal in Marlebone um, with those other teachers where I actually made the decision to become a singing teacher. And I've got to tell you, girl, it's the best decision I made. I love it. Well, I, I have seen some of uh, of your work, and I, I know I sang with with McGuire at some point, so I, I can yeah. um, I can I can relate to that, and I can agree. Um, and I think you were you were talking about the the public speaking. So I think, and and this is great, really, because we're seeing um, with, with some of the conversations that you're having, it's not mm-hmm. just about singing. So when you when you have your education, your your public speaking, you are that leader, and you're you're you have that long life learning and and you are and you are learning leadership skills but you were also learning the business skills and 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 I'm I'm intrigued to see how all that works for you and 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 how you've you you've gone about it because you said it's the best decision that you've made to 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 be the the singing teacher uh the role that you're you're doing today oh gosh yeah so business skills that's a learning thing and a half isn't it I think being self-employed you've got you know you've got to be very organized and you have to wear many many hats you suddenly become an accountant and a web developer and a social media manager and a marketer and a diary manager and your own administrator and um I think many small business owners will (laughs) recognize all of these hats There's, there's lots lots of different skills that you need to be a small business owner um and it yeah it's definitely been a learning curve for me over the past 12 years or so um and I won't say I've done it perfectly every time because I definitely have not but what I do think is really important and for anybody listening if you are thinking about pursuing something that you really enjoy or that you're passionate about or if you're thinking of starting up a sort of self-employed business alongside your workplace or something I think the thing that stops a lot of people is fear um I know I mentioned imposter syndrome before and thinking oh god you know who am I to do that um and you know some of the advice that I had from some of my mentors back at back at the time and in the years since is first of all if other people are doing it already nobody's going to do it in the same way as you are because nobody else is like you um, so there's always room in the market for you and your business. And then the second thing is, no matter how afraid you are of doing it, you might as well go and do it. Because if you don't do it, then you'll never know. And at least if you do it, then you can try. And it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't need the perfect website to get ahead. You don't need the perfect logo or the perfect Facebook site. You just need to put yourself out there and try so so to to the listeners and so so what would be your brand if you were to to help people today what would your brand be and and where would where would people come to find you on social media well you can find me on social media simply by searching kate cubley um that most of my social presence is under the name kate cubley my facebook profile that's public is kate cubley vocal coach um and i generate actually most of my business through that Facebook page for both singers and professional speakers as well. So how do you remain so confident and professional and resilient in in, in the public eye with with performing and being that people person? What strategies do you put in place to 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 keep that um sort of persona? Oh gosh. 
Gail, that's such a good question. And honestly, um, maybe I come across as confident, but I'm probably not always feeling desperately confident inside all the time. Um, what I would say is I do practice a lot and I do prepare for public events in advance. Um, and, you know, with things like choir concerts, I do take backups, um, you know, just because I always have this, oh my God, what if it all goes wrong? What if the computer breaks? <laughs> I'm sure everybody has these kind of problems in their own work. Um, but I think just trying to problem solve and make sure that I've got answers for any, you know, any problems that I might be able to foresee in advance. And then a lot of the time, if you get problems that you haven't foreseen, you just kind of wing it. And honestly, in being, you know, in the public eye or being on stage and being in a performing position, genuinely, the audience are usually pretty, um, pretty forgiving, actually. You know, they're, they're there to be entertained and they're there because they want to hear you. And that's quite reassuring. I'm not going to say that I have not resorted to uh, dad jokes that I've pulled off the internet whilst people deal with sound and technology <laughs> in performances, but literally I'll, I'll clutch anything I can get my, hot, my hands on uh, if there's issues. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a, that's a great sentiment that is. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, as performing artists, we do need that kind of, that, that little bit of laugh and, and, and a moment of, um, uh, a distraction to 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 make light of the situation mm -hmm. so so um I want to talk to you a little bit about um what you've done for the jubilee and how you've coped with covid really so um how has the uh performance arts um industry changed through covid um and and how have you coped as a performer and how and what sort of things have you had to change to still be able to 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 perform and 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 how has COVID changed um well the industry and yourself really oh gosh um I think industry-wide it's been very difficult for um many artists and performing artists and singers um I personally have to say that I was really lucky um because I had a baby in December 2019 and so I was on maternity leave when we got thrown into lockdown so my my business wasn't affected it, you know a lot of my friends and colleagues the you know their business just disappeared overnight um and then they really had to embrace all the new technologies oh I want to say new technologies it was um there was a lot for a lot of people wasn't there um in terms of using zoom or taking everything online and trying to do all of the prep for that it wasn't necessarily that zoom was new it was a new way of working um so I will say that with the choir um we we did online projects so I wasn't working at the time but um my colleague Grace was and um, so she took the choir online. Honestly, she was an absolute godsend. I think she gave everybody sanity during that really weird time at the beginning of COVID. Um, and we, um, after a while, we realized that there was a sort of drop in numbers. And so we were kind of trying to figure out what is it that people turn up to choir for? And actually people turn up to choir for the social interaction they turn up to see their friends 
they turn up for a good old sing song. And often when we do it in person, people want to sing together. And there's loads of health and well-being things that are associated with that. So singing together can reduce cortisol and boost endorphins and all the happy hormones. And generally when people leave a choir rehearsal, they'll feel pretty happy, pretty boosted and, um, and will have seen their friends and had a good old sing song as well. But online, people were kind of just singing on their own, like kind of behind a closed door, if you will, because we're all singing on mute. Um, and also we didn't have anything to work towards because there were no concerts. We didn't have that usual purpose for getting together and practicing because we, you know, we, we often do that because we've got a concert coming up. And so we have a goal. So what we did was we restructured everything. We did six weeks, six week projects. And we had a goal that at the end of six weeks, we would record our audio, record a video, um, and learn two brand new songs. And then Grace and I put together the audio and the video <laughs> to, and then we did like a performance on YouTube and everybody loved them. So they only needed to commit to six weeks. It was a six week project. And at the end of it, we had a purpose. So that was the thing that we did with choir and I, honestly I think it really kept all of us sane we were we were really lucky and it was a really great group of people um, and then as I was coming out of my maternity leave I actually interviewed for the senior lecturer position um, because I was well aware that probably we'd be in and out of a pandemic for quite a while and so that was likely to impact my voice coaching practice I before before COVID and before maternity leave I had generally worked privately I'd worked with um sort of 55 students ish each uh, each fortnight um and you know post-covid I was like I don't think I'm going to get those numbers again so I applied for the senior lecturer position which I got um and so I'm in this really lucky um really lucky position to now be working for the voice study center I get to read mark and um, enjoy other voice teachers and SLTs and voice specialist research um, across such a wide variety of um, wide variety of topics. Um, so I find that utterly fascinating, and I also get to tutor them as well. So it just means that I've got uh, just the most inspiring, wonderful people to talk to and work with all day long. <laughs> so. it so yeah, so I was going to ask you your 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 influences and what 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 are they and, and how do they help you? Mm, influences in what way? Um so so who are you inspired by, whether it be people, books, music, um, things oh. you've read, um, quotes, um, people you've met on your travels or films or television, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, okay. Um yeah, I listen, I listen to a lot of music. Um, and I have, I, yeah, I, I always get inspired by songwriters and lyrics and, you know, there's performers who get up on stage and they're just, just absolutely amazing. And they, they hit the stage and it's like, they've got the X factor, you know, they, they just really belong on stage. Um, and I don't know, yeah, books, let's think. I'll tell you what I'm reading at the moment, which I really like and has really inspired um, the direction of my PhD is the book Breath by James Nestor. 
Um, it's a really easy to read book and it's got so many ideas about how our breathing can impact our health. So that's going to be my <laughs> inspiration topic for today. <laughs> That, that's so amazing. So looking at your music choices for your Spotify playlist, and as you know, each guest has um, a five choices for their Spotify playlist to go through their influences and music. Now yours are absolutely amazing. They're some of the most upbeat songs. <laughs> and, and I was thinking about your trip to uh, Australia Zoo and allergies and weather when when I was uh, researching this now and I really do like how you've um you you volunteered there so um so briefly let's let's have a, a look in detail at these songs so we've got here comes the rain by Holly Marilyn Solemn your, your your reason for that oh wow um it's actually from an Amazon Prime series called Hand of God and I heard it, you know, when you're talking about inspiration in the last question, like I heard the song and you know, when you're watching movies or films or you hear something on the radio and you just think, I really just need to um, find out what that is. So you, you know, Shazam it or whatever, <laughs> whatever brand of software you use to find out what song, what songs are. And I heard that and it, it just, I love the bass. I love that drum beat and it's just a really a vibrant and enjoyable song to listen to so it was one of those that I just picked up from from the tv so another one imagine uh Emily Sande so obviously a different version and a much later version um the, the original being from 1980 so why have you chosen imagine the Emily Sande version I've chosen this one um because when all of this stuff started happening with the Ukraine um the choir we actually, we did a concert um, to raise some money for charity. We raised 1500 pounds, which all went to the Ukraine appeal. Um, and then after that, one of the girls in the choir said, oh, you know, it'd be really nice if we sang Imagine. And I was like, do you know what? It really would be. Um, and the key of the John Lennon version would be too low for a lot of the people in choir to sing. So I chose the Emily Sunday version and I've put it in this playlist because it's a nod to what we're currently learning in choir. Um, and the exciting thing, because everybody knows the song Imagine, what we've also done with this song is we've actually started learning a British sign language with it as well. So we're working on learning sign language so that we can actually sign the song as we sing it too. That's that's well, I say that's such a modern thing to do. I think that's amazing. And I think it's great how you are sort of opening up in, um, you know, the the multicultural and the uh, the diversity inclusion, inclusion yeah. and getting everybody yeah. in, in, involved. That's great. That is. So don't stop me now. Again, a different version. <laughs> yeah. So don't stop me now. I do love a bit of Queen. Um, however, as you know, I also sing with the Baker Street Bells trio and uh, all of the songs we do are sort of vintage vibes and vintage themes and a lot of our inspiration comes from the postmodern jukebox versions that you can find on spotify and playlists um and and on youtube and, and stuff so um so yeah that's the reason i put this version in here and also it's a sort of nod to some of the things that we've been talking about today you know in terms of small businesses and people feeling inspired or people perhaps not feeling their best because they're being knocked by allergies you know don't stop me now because I'm having a good time 
yeah, probably one of the most motivational songs of all time. So again, <laughs> um, you, you, your next song, Allergy Season, Rachel Jenkins. Great yeah, song. So this, this actually, yeah, I know, right? I um, uh, Whilst I was making the playlist for you, I was like, ah, oh, I do it because I knew that we were going to end up talking about allergies somehow. I was like, I wonder if there are any songs about allergies. So I did listen to quite a lot of songs about allergies, but this was the first one that I listened to, which I really enjoyed. Um, then I listened to a whole bunch more and none of them quite met the, I don't know. I, I thought her lyrics were quite quirky. I think it, it, it was almost like she's telling a story, but through the metaphor of having allergies as well, which I thought was quite fun. Um, so yeah, that's why that's there. Uh, uh, and your final song we we have four minutes left this this is uh you, you you've you've got the conundrum now to try and um, explain the rationale of this fantastic song and and I've actually looked at the YouTube video as well so I am impressed with your choice <laughs> walking with elephants 10 walls so this um is oh gosh when did it come out I can't even remember now um, when it came out or maybe even the year after it came out I don't know um, me and my husband were on the way to Glastonbury and we listened to this really loud all the way to Glastonbury. And then obviously it was played all weekend at Glastonbury as well. And so this is just happy memories and it's a really good upbeat dance track as well. <laughs> yeah, because you've chose quite a lot of the, um, the 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 house and the and the dance and the upbeat and that's and that's what you've kind of gone for because normally when you would be auditioning, you probably uh -huh. wouldn't choose that, would you? You would choose a different audition piece. Yeah, I didn't. Huh. So this is, uh, yeah, very well observed, Gail. I didn't want to be too predictable. I thought as a voice teacher, I could go in with some of my favourite, like Cecilia Bartoli, um, who is just one of my favourite classical singers ever. Like, you can go and Google her and find some stuff now. Um, and so she was, she was in the playlist for a while, but I was just thinking, well, what am I doing now? You know, We've, we've spoken about the choir, we've spoken about um, singing and performing, and then I didn't want to give you all vocal tracks to, you know, to play, because I, I, do, I do really enjoy dance music as well. So briefly, uh, your future plans then? Oh gosh, um, well, just keep learning obviously I'm I've started my PhD so completing my PhD which because I'm doing it part-time it's going to take me six years <sighs> give me sympathy and strength um, so finishing my PhD and um, continuing to learn I just uh, I really enjoy learning because it gives you new insights it keeps you up to date it keeps you engaged and it's exciting and interesting I don't know I feel like and it keeps your brain young or something <laughs> at least I'm hoping it does <laughs> yeah I think I, th I think I think that is the, the 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 main advantage of that and I think we all we all, we all need to to do, do that so I I am um, I saw saw that you went to to celebrated the the diamond jubilee there so um so that the the, the queen is quite a, a, a iconic figure um as as well as yourself with, with history there so what's your greatest moment uh, from all time what 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 is your greatest achievement oh my goodness me um that's such a tough question and you've only, I've only got like a minute left um greatest achievement of all time is probably keeping my son alive for two and a half years <laughs> 
Yeah, so completely not work-related. If you want something work-related that pertains to the podcast, um, then I think getting my MA would, would be would be right up there. It was, um, it was really hard work to achieve the MA and um, it's because of that that I've had doors opened and I'm able to be a senior lecturer on the course where I'm lecturing. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I feel very blessed to be where I am. Um, and it's been a lot of hard work. So I suppose recognizing the achievements is a nice thing to do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> no, it's good. I think I think you need it like a, a manual full of uh, your 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 achievements and and snippets there. So thank oh. you very much, Kate Cubley, for for attending this this lesson and the the, the chat today on the Helping Hands podcast. You're an absolutely true inspiration to me. So thank you very much and have a fantastic afternoon. Thank you so much for inviting me along, Gail. It's great to chat to you. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.